right, good morning. How is everyone? Glad to be here today. My name's Tyler. If you would just pray with me, we're going to jump in, okay? So Jesus, we love you. Lord, even as the song says, we love you. God, we just bless you. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your blood. God, that paid our debt for us. God, thank you, Lord, in, in a world of brokenness and pain, God, that you gave us hope. Thank you for hope today. But we ask even as we open your word, would you come? Would you speak to us? Would you give clarity? Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. All right, you guys, so we're in session eight of God's story, the good news of grace and hope. And this is a session on Restore. So I'm going to give a quick recap, and then we're going to jump in today. So I like the way David split it up last week. In the first four sessions, we talked about what's happened in history. Okay, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? He made all things, and because he made all things, he's in control of all things. He has authority over all things. Put simply, he's the boss, right? He's the boss. And so we see that God, he made Adam and Eve. He put them in a garden, and he said... That you, they could not eat from a tree in the middle of the garden. He gave them a rule. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, and yet they went and they took and they ate of that tree, right? They disobeyed God. They sinned against Him. They rebelled. And it was this sin, this disobedience that was the entry point for pain and brokenness and death to enter the earth. It was also this sin that created distance between God and man. But in the kindness of God, He said, I'm not going to live distant from you forever. He said, I'm not going to let sin and brokenness and death dominate you, dominate the world forever, but I'm going to send one. I promise to send one who's going to make wrong things right. And he actually chose a family, the family of Israel. And he said, I'm going to send this promised one through a chosen family. And we saw that, right? We saw that he sent his son Jesus, fully God, fully man, who lived a sinless and perfect life, who declared truth, who revealed the Father, but who ultimately... He went and died on a cross, shedding his blood to pay for our sins, right? We should have been the ones on the cross, and yet he went and died on the cross, so we didn't have to. But we also talked about how it's a gift of grace, that it's not something that we do, it's not something that we earn to get this forgiveness from God, but it's a gift that he gives us. But we know Jesus, he died, but he did not stay in the tomb long, right? He was in the tomb for three days, but he was resurrected on the third day. He's alive. He's alive. Before he went to be with the Father in heaven, he said, as I go, I'm going to send you another helper. And that's where we currently are. So all the other was history, but this is the present. That God has sent us a helper, the Holy Spirit. His Spirit, that if we put our faith in Him, He gives us a Spirit to dwell inside of us, to help us know Him, to help us love Him, to help us become like Him, to help us obey, to help us be witnesses of who He is in this age. But we know that trouble is coming in the future, right? We saw this at the, the end of this age, that things are going to get really dark. I don't know about you guys, but we're seeing it get dark already. It's already getting dark, but it's going to get a lot darker, right? In those last three and a half years, the Great Tribulation, Jacob's trouble, however you want to call it, it's going to be great trouble upon the face of the earth. But we have hope, because Jesus is coming. He is coming, and He's going to split the sky. He is coming on the clouds. Go to Matthew 24 with me. So this is where David was last week, a little bit, and we're just going to pick it up, okay? Because it, 
it, it really kind of gives Jesus coming on the clouds, and we're going to jump. That's going to be our jumping in point. So Matthew twenty four twenty nine. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, so when after the trouble, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Okay, verse thirty. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So we see that the Son of Man, Jesus, the Savior, He's going to come riding on the clouds after the trouble. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I borrow language. Anybody else borrow language? You borrow language. Maybe it's from a show. Maybe it's from your best friend. But you borrow language, right? You pick up that catchphrase. You liked it, so you start using it. Guys, Matthew 24 is borrowed language from Daniel 7. So if you would turn back in your Bibles with me to Daniel 7. Because this is the real foundation that, that Jesus is pulling from when he's speaking. And bear with me today. We're having to hit some real, real high-level things today. Um, that they're big themes in the Bible, and we're doing it in one session. So we might be flipping a lot, but it's going to be great. All right, so Daniel 7, 13. This is one of Daniel's visions. He said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, you see in the language, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, and it was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. So we see this language, the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Guys, it's directly out of Daniel 7. In fact, this whole Son of Man phrase as kind of coined, it comes from here, okay? This is this Son of Man phrase became catchphrase for the promised one in the New Testament, but it all starts Right here. This is what I want you to see. Jesus, okay? He, he's coming, at His coming, to deal with the wicked, the Antichrist, those who align themselves with the Antichrist. He's going to gather the righteous. But how many of you guys know He's going to do something else? He's going to establish a kingdom in Jerusalem. He's going to sit on the throne in the temple, and He's going to reign for a thousand years. Isn't that amazing? Now, this is one thing I want you to see. Go to Acts 1 real fast. Because I want you to see, guys, this is not foreign to the New Testament. This was the very hope of the disciples, okay? They were looking for a kingdom to come. So we know that Jesus died between his death and his resurrection, or his ascension was 40 days, okay? What were they talking about in those 40 days? They were talking about the kingdom. So Acts 1, verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. And speaking about the kingdom of God. If you go down to verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, the disciples, they're looking for Jesus to reign. They're looking for him to establish a kingdom. And the question is not if he's going to, right? It's not, are you going to establish a kingdom? It's when. Are you doing it right now? Is this the time where you're going to actually establish the kingdom? And so we see, guys, that this is the hope of the disciples. Now, if you go back and look at the promises that were given to Israel, this is one thing that's really fascinating to me, is if you start looking at a land promise to Abraham, if you start looking at someone to rule, that's the promise to David, right? A king who's going to come and rule on the throne. If you look at the new covenant of people who are obedient, guys, you're talking about a kingdom. 
You're talking about a ruler with a land, with a people. This is a kingdom, right? Do you guys see this? And so Jesus coming and establishing a kingdom is the fulfillment of the covenants that were made to Israel. Okay? So it's pretty awesome. Now, we want to be those who shout where the Bible shouts and whisper where the Bible whispers. We're even silent where the Bible is silent. Now, when we get into what's happening during these thousand years, it's a whisper. Okay? It's not definitive. How many of you guys know that in the 21st century, we bring questions to the Bible that the Bible doesn't answer? Anybody else? Anybody been reading the Bible? Like, where's the dinosaurs? You know, like, how are we going to get to Jerusalem? You know, it's like we're asking questions that it's not answering. Okay? And so we have to be silent on those issues. But there are a few whispers of what is it going to look like in the kingdom. Go to Isaiah 2 with me. So Isaiah 2, verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains shall be lifted up above the hills. All the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes between many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. So here's two two quick glimpses. The law is going to go forth from Zion, from Jerusalem, because Jesus is going to be reigning over the nations from Jerusalem. That's pretty amazing, right? Another piece is there's going to be no war for a thousand years. That sounds pretty amazing, right? They're going to take their swords and they're going to beat them down into plowshares. You guys know I like farming, so that gets me pretty excited, okay? How many crops can you grow? You know, like, but this this is pretty amazing thing, that there's going to be peace. There's going to be peace among man because the Prince of Peace is reigning from Jerusalem. Go to Isaiah 11 with me. Here's another window. Isaiah 11, 1, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Now here's an interesting piece. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf, they're going to be together, and they shall be led by a child. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. But guys, this is what's really interesting, is that you even start seeing in creation there's peace. There's creation between man because there's no war, but even with animals, that they're not eating one another anymore. Look at this. Now you have a lion who turned into a vegetarian. Okay? Like, there's a bunch of vegetarians out there. The lion turned into a vegetarian eating straw. Okay? Like, that's not natural. Lions and lambs laying together. Wolf and, you know, like, leopards and goats. That's not normal. We had some goats. We didn't want any leopards around. Okay? It would be a bloody mess. 
Okay? But we see a, a, it's a window. There's going to be peace on the earth. That he's going to deal with the wicked. That righteousness shall be his belt. Go to Zechariah 14. One more, and then we're going to keep moving, okay? But these are just a few of the windows. That's why I'm saying it's a whisper. It's a whisper of what it's going to be like. But it's, it's not super, super clear, okay? All right, Zechariah. If I can get there. All right, Zechariah 14. Verse 16, then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem, okay? So those who survived and weren't, like, killed by Jesus that aligned themselves with the Antichrist, okay, those who survived and make it into the kingdom, they shall come up to Jerusalem year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Booths. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then there shall be no rain. There shall be the plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up. But you see Jesus, he's reigning from Jerusalem. They're still celebrating the Jewish feast. And if your nation doesn't go up to celebrate, no rain. <laughs> Famine, your way. And so we see that Jesus, he's reigning. But they're still celebrating. But there's a sense where there's going to be obligation on the nations to come and obey the law of the Lord. And so, guys, this is one thing I want you to see, okay? Is we have a lot of talk in our day that the kingdom is right now. Okay? Kingdom's now. The kingdom's now. Guys, listen. We might have glimpses of the kingdom in this age. Okay? But the kingdom comes when the king comes. Okay? The kingdom comes when the king comes, and he's the one who's going to bring forth these realities. Until I see the wolf and the lamb, until I see the leopard and the goat, until I see the swords turn into plowshares, the kingdom hasn't come yet. Okay? But it's coming. It's coming. Now, I don't know about you guys, we haven't done it quite as much because of COVID. I'm not sure like you can blame everything on COVID, but we haven't had people over to our house quite as much just because health thing, you know, like we just haven't had people over. But I don't know about you guys, when we have people to our house, we like to get ready. I don't know about you guys, sometimes our house gets messy. Let's just be honest. Everybody does, especially with a bunch of kids running around. But when we have people coming over, we're going to be diligent. And we're going to start getting our house ready. Okay? So we're going to, I might clean the bathroom. We're going to clean up, sweep, wipe things down. Um, I'm, I might even make some food. You know, like whatever it is, we're, we're going to start getting ready because we're preparing for our guests. Guys, listen, the kingdom, the thousand years, it's Jesus preparing for the Father to come back. Okay? Jesus is going to be purifying the earth so the Father can come. Okay? The thousand years is necessary. And for some, this may be new, um, but it's necessary because Jesus is purifying the earth. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 with me. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. I just wanted you to see this. Verse 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and the authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all the enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so I just wanted you to see he's reigning, okay, the kingdom, but after the thousand years, he's going to give the kingdom to the Father. He's reigning until all of his enemies are put under his feet. And that last enemy is death. That last, guys, think about this. There's going to be people in the kingdom when Jesus is reigning from Jerusalem. 
And there will still be death. There will still be normal life. But after that thousand years, death will be dealt with. And we'll move into, that will be the transition into actual eternity forever. All right, go to Revelation 20 with me. This is where we're trying to get to today. So how many of you guys know that the kingdom is not the end? The kingdom is transitioned into eternity. Now, I'm going to go ahead. You guys have probably bought things with warning labels on them. Okay? Maybe flammable, uh, maybe not good for you, whatever it is. I'm going to give you a warning label. This next section might be a little mind-bending for some of us. Okay, you, you might not have heard some of these concepts, but we're just going to read the Bible. Okay, We're just going to read the Bible, and we're going to talk about it. So after the thousand years, okay, this is what we see. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. This is Revelation 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, who's the dragon? That, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. So what you see is, at Jesus' coming, Satan is actually going to be bound in a pit with a chain. It's going to be covered over for a thousand years. That means Satan will not be present on the earth during the thousand-year kingdom. But he won't be judged yet. Okay? He's going to be in a pit. And after the thousand years, he will be released again for a little while. We're going to catch more of that. Okay? But we're just reading the Bible. Alright, then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. And so we're really looking at those who had come out of this great tribulation. Beheading is going to be a primary means of death in that last three and a half years, and the mark of the beast is going to be in that last three and a half years. So that's, that's who he's really talking about. They came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in this resurrection. All right, go to verse 7. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and he will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, Jerusalem. But fire came down from heaven and consumed. Okay, can you get your mind around this? Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years. Satan is going to be released from his pit, and then he's going to go deceive the nations one more time. And he's actually going to gather them for battle against Jerusalem and the saints. And they're going to be encroaching on Jerusalem, and as they start encroaching, fire is going to fall from heaven and consume them. Wow. <laughs> this, this kind of blows your mind, right? This, this will blow your mind. But guys, this is what I want us to see, okay? Is that Satan is bound and he's going to come out and deceive again. Think about this. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were, were with God and Satan came and deceived them. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes they think, if Jesus was just here, I would follow him wholeheartedly. Guys, in the thousand years, Jesus is going to be here reigning, and then Satan is going to be released again, and he's still going to come and deceive the nation. He's going to deceive man again. Guys, we are prone to deception. We, are, we need truth. We need help. We need the Bible. Guys, but this is what's so beautiful to me, is that we aren't in the dark about what's coming. Jesus gave us insight into the future so we know 
what's happening, what's coming. And so we see that Satan, he is going to be, he's going to deceive them, he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. This is verse 10. And the devil who has deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we see Satan, he's bound at the beginning of the thousand years, thousand years of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, reigning over the nation. He's purifying the earth, but at the end, Satan is released for a short time to deceive the nations. He comes against Jerusalem, and they're consumed with fire, okay? What happens after this? Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the book according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the, the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. And so what we see is after Satan is done with, then we're going to stand before God. And we're going to give account for our lives, okay? And I really think this is those who have actually come through the kingdom. I think most of us will actually give account before that, at Jesus' first return, because we'll already be with him. But this will be another judgment, okay? And so this is the reality that's sinking in on me, you guys. Is we're, we have hope in Jesus. And we're about to get one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. But how many of you guys know that there are two destinations in eternity? There is the lake of fire, and there is the presence of God. There are, and you're going to one of them. Guys, this is a sobering reality. Listen, the distance that sin calls becomes permanent in eternity if you don't put your faith in Jesus. Because the presence of God is not in the lake of fire. Guys, listen, it is scary and sobering. I don't want to press it too hard. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but there is a lake of fire. It says that they'll be tormented day and night forever. Guys, this matters. How many of you guys know that the 75 years that we live on life is really short compared to forever? Forever. Uh, you guys ever watch the Sandlot? <laughs> he hits the ball over there and he says, forever. We lost it forever. Guys, we're going to live forever. The, 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 the question is, where? Is your name in the book of life? Have you put your faith in Jesus? That's how your name gets in the book. By putting your faith in his sacrifice. Let's talk about the other destination. Then I saw, this is, this is Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, okay? And this is the declaration, you guys. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Listen, guys, as it comes to the end, the primary declaration from God is, I'm with you. I'm with you again. Guys, Everything in human history, we always talk about closing the gap. We're closing the gap. Listen, God said, it's finally done. I'm finally with you again. He says with three times in one verse. Guys, the witness of God. He wants to be with us. 
And this is where we get to spend eternity, with Him, right? Okay, keep going. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor any pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Guys, think about a world where there's no sadness. No sadness. In fact, Psalm 16 says, in His presence is fullness of joy. It's not just going to be void of sadness. It's going to be full of joy. Praise God, right? How about you guys? I'm pretty pumped to live in the fullness of joy forever. No more crying, mourning. He says he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. But death shall be no more. No more death. No more pain. How many of you guys live in pain? Maybe it's emotional pain. Maybe it's in your mind that lies that, that cause you pain. Maybe it's physical pain. You have lots of health issues or a, like aches and pains in your body. Guys, listen. No more pain forever. Wow. Joy forever. We get to be with Him forever. No more trying to, to get by and just make your ends meet with uh, paycheck to paycheck. You're covered. Okay? Like, we have all of these things, but they're in eternity. Like, they're, they're, they're in eternity. Guys, listen to me. This should give us hope to walk well in our 75, 80, 100 years because we have forever ahead of us. And it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. Listen, the cross is what gives us entrance into the restoration that's coming. You guys, I feel like now everything's digital, but back in the day we had tickets, right? We actually had like legit like printable tickets, and you take them to a ball game or Disney World or wherever, okay? Guys, listen, the cross is our ticket to get in to the restoration. Listen, Jesus paid so that we could enter in. Guys, listen, do you have a ticket? Do you have, do you have your ticket? Because, guys, listen, you don't get a ticket unless you put your faith in what he did for you on the cross. This is a big deal. Guys, I feel like even as I, I've been, been thinking through this week, is that there is hope in this session. It, to me, it doesn't get better. I'll never forget in Romania, while I was on the world race, I'll never, this, that, that Revelation 21 hit me for the first time. And I just sit there and cry, like, God, you, you're coming back to be with us. It doesn't get better than that. But it's also sobering that not everyone's going to enter in. Right? Guys, this should both give us a mirror to look at ourselves, and it should propel us to love those around us. Right? Guys, we have grace through the cross. But we have hope because He's coming. And He's going to restore all things. Let's read this verse, Acts 3. Acts 3, verse 19, says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that He may... Send the Christ. Say send. He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom the heaven must receive until, until what? Until the time for restoring all things. Listen, Jesus is in heaven until the time is right. And He's going to come back and He's going to start the process of restoring all things. Guys, our world is broken. Our world is hurt. There's pain and sadness. There, there's so many things. 
that, that, are, that are hard and hurtful, God, listen, it's free. Because He's going to come and He's going to restore all things. Let us cling to hope. In the midst of hardship, let's cling. May it propel us. May it propel us. May it keep us going. How many of you guys know sometimes you feel like giving up? Throwing in the towel. But may hope propel us to keep living, to keep going, to keep being faithful until we die or until we come. Amen? All right, you guys. Let's pray. I I just want to give an invitation because, you guys, listen. Jesus is coming to restore all things in the future. How many of you guys know that He gives glimpses of that in this age? Healings and miracles. He can come and minister to your emotional pain. He can lift people out of depression. Right? This is the God that we serve. It's not just future. The future is the fullness. How many of you guys know that He comes now to His people? He helps. He can restore the broken now. And so we just want to encourage you, if, if you're holding on, if you have, man, something that's plaguing you, maybe it's physical, maybe it's mental, maybe it's emotional, we want to pray with you. Maybe you need hope. Maybe you feel like you're in a pit and you can't get out. Cling to hope today. Cling to Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we're so thankful for grace. We're so thankful for hope. God, we're so thankful, Lord, that you're going to restore all things back to the way you intended in the beginning. God, that I don't have to earn or strive to get in, but God, you let us in. You made a way for us to get in by sending your Son for us. Oh, Jesus, we're grateful today. Lord, would you stir us in faith? Would you stir us in hope, God, that that you're coming? That you're going to do what you said you're going to do? God, just as you've been faithful to your word, you're going to be faithful to come and do what you promised. Lord, we believe that today. Lord, would you come and minister your healing? God, would you minister your peace? Would you minister joy? Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you now. Oh, God, sometimes eternity feels like so far off. God, would you come and help us now live in light of what's coming? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.